Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am your co-host, John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from the Quandle Studio right here in good old Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. Joined, as always, by one of the best podcasters in America, folks. Get ready for it. My fellow co-host, Chris Martin. Chris, what's going on today, brother? John, you continually amaze me on those introductions, man. They Pretty soon, my head's going to be too big to fit in the room because you, you make me feel so good all the time. But thank you. Um, I don't know if I can live up to those... Uh, that title, but uh, I certainly appreciate it. The only thing missing is like the, audience clapping or drum roll or something. So I'm sorry. Next yeah, time we'll get yeah, something like audience. that. Yeah, actually, <laughs> you know, actual people supporting it. But uh, yes. I'll take your word for it. Thank you for that, and everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Building PA Podcast. I am Chris Martin, although I don't believe I'm quite as uh, good as my co-host John O'Brien on this uh, side, but. I'm with Atlas Marketing, and I'm coming to you from the uh, the west coast of P- Pennsylvania in Swickley, PA, very close to the West Virginia and Ohio border. And uh, I know that uh, our guest today is somewhat near me, but uh, we've got a really good topic, and I think this is going to be a topic that goes that transcends the construction industry. What do you think, John? Yes, absolutely. Today's absolutely. episode, the word of the day is positive. We're going to keep it positive today. We want only like positive that. news, which our guest is going to deliver. He's going to deliver a great message today. Of course, I'm yeah. speaking of the one and only Matt Smith, president of the Greater Pittsburgh Chamber of Commerce. Matt, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Great to see you again, John. It's been a long time. I, I've never met Chris, but with that intro, I want to be around more Chris. That's quite a quite an intro for <laughs> you, John. Yeah. He is. He's a, he's a positive guy. I love positive people, so. <laughs> we'll deliver love, some positive news positive today. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, yeah. We want positive news today. So so as you know, the past couple years in uh, in Harrisburg, there's been the business community uh has been trying to lower the corporate net income tax. I think Pennsylvania right now is 9.99, might be the second highest, I believe. New Jersey has has the title, I believe. And during June, during June, you know, under the uh, or, or through the direction of the Pittsburgh Chamber, you guys did a great job uniting business community across the state to really tackle this issue. We had the governor on board, you know, both chambers, both parties, good stuff. So let's talk corporate net income tax, Matt. How excited are you? Well, really excited, John. And as, as you said, it's actually been 27 years since this rate has been changed. So this has been a battle going back multiple decades, not just by us, but by the, as you mentioned, the PA Chamber of Business and Industry, the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, all have been you know, trying to push this rock up the hill. And this year we were successful. Um, and as, as you noted, you know, not only are we the second highest overall, Jersey beats us, but we are actually the highest non-graduated tax. So Jersey has a progressive uh, rate. Pennsylvania's 9.9 rate is flat. So we're actually the highest right now non-graduated rate in the country, which, you know, this rate, as you know, and, and many of your listeners know, will know, particularly from the economic development and construction fields, this rate, 9.9, was a blinking red light for business investment that prevented us 
I like to say, from not only being in the competition and on the playing field, but we were frequently not even in the arena or the stadium to be able to compete for really large investment projects. So this is a really big deal. It is. It is. Can you uh, maybe touch on what exactly does it mean for businesses? You talked about developers and people coming, but as far as companies already here, what does this mean for them? Yeah, I mean, what it'll really mean is, we're, you know, we're, we look at it as beneficial in two ways. One is, I mentioned earlier, external outside of Pennsylvania competition to bring in business investment. But what it'll also do is we know that you know one of the, the most effective ways to grow an economy is to allow companies within your border already here to grow. And so when companies here are looking at deploying investment, deploying capital, Pennsylvania will be in the game now. And frequently what has occurred has been that companies here are looking to expand and they look at this blinking red light and they say, well, we could deploy capital to Ohio or to Indiana or to any other state, literally, in the country and have a more beneficial operating environment as compared to Pennsylvania. This now puts us in the game for the internal expansion within Pennsylvania and companies that are already here. Those those expansions are going to be really important. And, and this rate will, will the new rate uh, will put us in the game to be competitive. I just got Chris, you mentioned being so close to Ohio, and that's a really critical factor as it relates to the business tax environment. Ohio uh, literally markets across the border right into Western Pennsylvania that they have zero uh, corporate net income tax. Ohio doesn't have to even worry about their rate because they market that their rate is zero. And so you know, one of the things that we've noticed, particularly over the last couple of years, is Ohio has become really aggressive in marketing, particularly to Southwestern Pennsylvania companies to say, hey, you know, Pennsylvania's rate is 99 Ohio's is zero. Come over right across the border in Ohio and you'll have a much better business operating environment. So the fact that we are so close to Ohio is actually a really critical point on the business tax structure and our competitiveness within that structure as well. We see that with clients that are in Ohio. I've had some, some conversations with the operating officers and, and some of our clients, and they're all just amazed. But Matt, first off, thank you for your work in this, because as a business owner, you know, it, it definitely will make things uh, more positive. But what's the impact that you're seeing or will be or, or expecting, I should say? What are you expecting to happen over the next over the course of this transition? Because I understand there is a transition to a, to the lower rate. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and, and the expectations? Yeah, so it'll re it'll start going down next year in January uh, from nine point nine to eight point nine, and you know that immediate drop is important. But what's really important, Chris, is as you said, the fact that we are statutorily right now locking in ultimately a four point nine percent rate um, is really significant, and it'll take you know probably over the next eight to ten years to get to that point. So that you know over the next decade we'll phase down to four point nine. But the fact that we have the phase down to 4.9, not as some sort of general target or you know overly optimistic goal, but the fact that we have it in statute right now, locked in, allows businesses to plan over the course of the next five to 10 years and say, hey, we'll know what the rate is every year, but we know ultimately that it's going to be 4.9. And the, the 4.9 
percent number is really significant because A, it cuts the rate that we currently have in half. So we're going ultimately from 9.9 to 4.9. So it cuts it in half. And it, the other thing it does is it moves us from literally the worst rate in the country to being ultimately in the top six of rates in the country. And so that is a huge leap forward for our business tax competitiveness. And again, the fact that it's not sort of a hoped for phase down rate, but the fact that we have 4.9% locked in, allowing businesses to plan, giving them the certainty as to what that rate will be is a really significant step forward. Just a follow-up question then, why is it taking us 10 years to get from that 9.9 to 4.9? Yeah, I think the thought with the within the legislature was that they they wanted to guard against doing a larger drop down for fear of loss of revenue. So this is a revenue generator for the state. So I think they wanted to sort of, you know, do the phase down so that they could guard against, you know, any sudden loss of revenue. And then I think they also wanted to make sure that you know this was going to be done in a bipartisan way. So in order to get all leaders uh, to the table, both the administration, you know, Democratic governor, Governor Wolf, Republican-led General Assembly, I think they needed to kind of meet in the middle, and that's where you get the ultimate you know path of a phase down. Um, and we think it you know it it accomplishes two things. One, it provides mm -hmm. that fiscal stability for the Commonwealth that we know we're not going to have a huge loss of revenue uh, immediately. And two, you know, again, it provides that certainty of getting to that 4.9% rate, right, you know, at some point in the next decade, which we think is, is a significant step forward. The really big thing for us, and the thing that we think will happen over the next couple of years, is that as the rate becomes more attractive, and, and we're able to market the rate being more attractive, that's a really significant piece of this, because we want to be able to go tell the story outside of Pennsylvania, that Pennsylvania's business tax environment, or our house is getting in order right now. But we think the really positive thing will be as economic growth comes in, which we think uh, will occur with a better business tax operating environment, that economic growth will lead to increased revenue, specifically increased tax revenue. And that will allow the rate, the phase down to essentially pay for itself, um, because we do think and we're willing to put you know our uh, a bet on this. We think it's going to be something that leads to economic growth, and that growth will lead to increased tax revenue. And we've actually done internal studies, uh, which I think are really interesting. That over the last twenty five years or so in Pennsylvania, if you look at the revenue that has been brought in, tax revenue that's been brought in, no matter whether it's been in years where they've increased the tax rate, in some cases increased, created new taxes, it, it essentially doesn't matter. Uh, Pennsylvania ultimately collects 5.3% of GDP in terms of tax revenue. So, you know, we've made the argument, um, you know, and successfully to get this uh, rate reduction done, that the only sustainable way to actually increase tax revenue is not through raising rates or increasing or making new taxes. The only sustainable way is to make the pie bigger, grow the GDP. And that's the way we're ultimately gonna grow tax revenue. And, and we've got studies that would back that up based on the last 20 years, 25 years or so of tax revenue collections in the Commonwealth. Good stuff. You were saying for 27 years, it's it's been 9.9. .9. That's quite a long time there. I moved 
you know, from Pittsburgh to Harrisburg area six years ago, I guess. When I moved here, I, you know, quickly talked with uh, Jen Beer, who used to be with you at the at the chamber. And she was saying, oh, we have this business coalition, you know, the Compete PA coalition. And we're, one of the things we want to achieve is to lower the CNI. And and I have to I have to commend you and, and your team for staying the course, you know, because that was six years ago. You probably had this coalition before then. So for years, you had this this group working and, you know, KCA and GCAP, MBA, we take on a big issue in the Separations Act. And we were, we're always questioning ourselves, like, is this ever going to change, you know? And, but can you can you kind of touch on the, the leadership of, of directing that? And, and was there ever a point where you're like, what am I doing here? What am I just wasting my time? Is this ever going to change? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a really interesting question, John. And, and you mentioned Jen uh, Beer. She was our VP of Government Affairs and focused on state efforts and really ran for us the Compete PA Coalition. And, and Jen would always uh, tell the story. She was here for 15 years at the Greater Pittsburgh Chamber. And for all of those 15 years, this was the number one policy priority. And so, you know, as, as you mentioned, she did, did a great job running the PPA coalition. And, you know, really one of the things that that I've learned in this position, and I think we, you know, try to live by each and every day is, is we're really only able to get these big transformative things done through coalitions. And, and that involves, you know, the PPA coalition, for example, but its members include small businesses, large corporations, regional chambers, the state chamber, the Philadelphia chamber, you know, your organization, John, you know, all being members of that coalition is a really significant thing because we're able to communicate with legislative leaders and rank and file members about the impact of a particular issue. And in this case, we were able to communicate very clearly that this was an issue that touched and, and negatively impacted the construction sector, the building trades, the economic development community, the large corporate uh, community, particularly from F Pittsburgh and Philly. And we were able to carry that message from various points of view to key policymakers. And you know, really, I, I would credit you know the PPA coalition and the you know smaller coalition. Uh, that we developed with our uh, counterparts at the PA Chamber and the Philadelphia Chamber as being one of the you know big reasons we were able to be successful around this effort this year because you know one of the things we decided about a year and a half ago with uh, Gene Barr at the PA Chamber and and Rob Wonderling at the Philly Chamber both of whom have since departed actually so this in many ways was Gene and Rob's, you know, I think justifiably so career capstone for each of them. And they played a huge role in this effort. But I think one of the things that we did a little bit differently over the last year and a half with our three chambers was basically say to the to the legislature and to the governor, this is the one issue we have to fix. You know, we're all we're going to come to Harrisburg and instead of asking for 25 different things, yeah, we are now totally 100% united behind the need to reduce the corporate net income tax rate. And I think that made a big difference over the last year and a half, because I think communicating, um, you know, if you will, with one voice that this is the one issue that needs to be fixed, um, I think made a big difference. And, and we were incredibly fortunate to have great relationships and great partners, uh, you know, Governor Wolf, uh, played a huge role in this. You know, I also have to give a huge 
shout out to people and, and leaders like Senate Majority Leader Kim Ward, who is just amazing on this issue. Um, State Senator Ryan Ament from Lancaster, out your way, John, was just a tremendous leader on this issue, um, not only over the final push, but but Senator Ahmed uh, has been huge, a huge proponent of the CNI reduction, and his his team has as well. Really, over the last couple of years, and and he played a huge role in highlighting the importance of this issue and, and making sure that you know we work to get this get this done. And you know, I have to give credit to the to the bipartisan legislative support as well as the governor. Uh, because you know those are the folks who are actually voting on this and you know putting putting their name and you know everything that 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 entails on the line with these votes. You know, Matt, as I'm sitting here listening to you, you know, I, and I know John had mentioned this to me separately, not in an in a podcast episode, but in a lot of our conversations, was as he mentioned earlier, the Separations Act is an issue, and and the, and the CNI and and these type of things, but. Without getting into politics, and I, and I truly mean that as a as a, as a big caveat, because I, I can easily see where this could go in, in either direction. But why has it taken us so long to actually rectify this issue? Yeah, I think there's a couple of, of reasons. One is, you know, Pennsylvania is such a, you know, large and diverse state. So there's always a number of issues that are you know some urgent, some less urgent that are the typically front and center um, you know during during the budget. I think the other thing is you know something this big in Pennsylvania, you, you know you you mentioned John the Separations Act. Something this big you know typically takes a number of years to to push across the goal line, and I think that you know this one is is no issue so no, no different. I think the fact that you know, when you're working on an issue like this and you have so many stakeholders within the legislature and, you know, an administration, putting those pieces together are really difficult. And, you know, I think, you know, that's another one of the reasons this has taken a, you know, considerable amount of time to actually get done. I think the other thing is, I, you know, I think legislators, they sort of value their role as stewards of tax dollars. And I think there's always a, you know, maybe a hesitancy to do something that, you know, at least on paper would look like it's going to cost revenue. And I think that that's probably another reason as well. But, you know, again, I think the fact that they were all able to come together um, this year, you know, the environment was was such that it created a, an opening to do it this year. I think, you know, again, they deserve a ton of ton of credit for for finally getting this done is you know, as we've discussed, it's been, you know, 27 years since it's been altered. And I think, you know, they, through a lot of the the voices that we're, we were able to bring out to Harrisburg, I think those voices created a powerful case that in order to be ready for a post-pandemic world and be competitive for projects, you know, we large-scale projects that we have missed out on, particularly in southwestern Pennsylvania, I think those voices were able to carry that argument and convince uh, the General Assembly and the governor that this was the year this had to be done. You mentioned that, you know, that large scale projects. I mean, I know one of the things that that, that comes to my mind as you're talking is, you know, the Amazon headquarter. And, and and that was such a big thing. And I would imagine that this was kind of that that flag in the sand of like, whoa, the 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 punch in the gut, if you will, to kind of open some eyes. 
Yeah, and I think even more recent than that, Chris, is the decision by Intel uh, to locate mm-hmm. right across, you know, again, right across the border in Ohio in Columbus, uh, one of their uh, new chip fabs. And so, um, you know, that's a multi-billion dollar investment that I think, you know, for a number of reasons, Pennsylvania wasn't successful, but we were told by uh, site selectors and we communicated this to to the legislators we were told by site selectors that one of the big reasons that Pennsylvania wasn't even in the hunt for that investment was the 9.9% corporate net income tax rate. You know, in, in our discussions over the last couple of months, we really emphasized the point with the legislature and with the governor that, you know, we're not in the hunt for these really big um, investments because of this rate. And the Intel uh, investment is, I think, one example uh, that we weren't really in that competition. Yeah. And then to hear the president in the State of the Union address talk about it, they're going to Ohio. So they stick it right in our face, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, Ohio has done a really good job. As I said, they they don't have they have a commercial activity tax, but they don't have a corporate net income tax. And they've done a really aggressive job, a uh, good, good aggressive job in marketing uh the state. They have a department that's sort of an outside governmental nonprofit called Jobs Ohio that does a really good job of marketing and creating incentives and and you know the fact that they have a better business tax environment right now will will be better eventually but that they they're able to market that in a really aggressive way and so i think the corporate rate is one issue the other big issue that you know we think is critical for these large projects is uh, site development, making the right investments to develop sites, making the right investments in incentives. Um, and we think that's sort of the next frontier in Pennsylvania that that now that we have the rate uh, on a really good trajectory, we want to make sure that we're competitive in these other areas as well. And that's that was kind of leading me to my next question was, you know, the CNI is a huge win. That's awesome. Good stuff. Hopefully we, you know, we we see some some developers, more developers come into Pennsylvania. But as far as other factors and concerning those factors like like site development and site issues, is it a legislative fix? Is it a culture fix? Is it all the above? Or what are your thoughts on on other factors? Yeah, I think it's it's a large part policy. Some of it's changing mindset, but I but I think a big part of it is policy. I mean, I'll give you a couple examples. One is you know, again, going back to business taxes, we're still one of only, uh, I think, two states that limits the ability to carry forward net operating laws. So Pennsylvania right now is capped at 40% uh, carry forward of, of net operating loss. At the federal level, it's 80%. Um, and so, you know, we think that that's a really big issue, particularly for the tech community, startups, any company in a cyclical industry. So you know, a lot of our large industrial members who are in cyclical industries care about this issue. And so we think, you know, on the business tax side, we still need to fix the the net operating loss cap and either remove it or certainly at a minimum bring it up, bring it up to that 80% federal level. I think on the other side of things, on the sort of investment permitting side, what I would call the investment and permitting side, I think we've got to get better uh, as a state on permitting and turnaround times for permitting, whether it's construction, erosion and sediment permitting, uh, you know, natural gas permitting. We're still not competitive in that range. So I think permitting is still a big issue. Um, To your point, John, I think that, you know, 
the idea of, of investing public dollars in creating sites uh, that would allow for these really big me mega projects um, is another huge issue for the whoever the next governor is. I think uh, making sure that we're in the game on that site development investment is going to be really critical. And I think on the incentive side, you know, we need to make sure that we're competitive with, as I said, states like Ohio that have really robust incentive structures and robust incentive assets that they can put into the mix to, to try to attract these really big projects. Because uh, we know from, from being out here, you know, the Shell investment is a good example. These really large scale projects uh, are not just beneficial for the construction jobs that they create during the construction phase, or even the operational phase once once that plant's up and running. We think that the spin-off possibilities, the, the ecosystem that these really large projects are able to sort of catalyze um, are another big benefit. So we wanna make sure that these large mega projects um, are really looking at Pennsylvania as something that's that's attractive. And we, we certainly think Southwestern Pennsylvania specifically uh, can be really attractive for these large projects. That ripple effect is so important, Matt. You're right. That is good. Well, Matt, I, I have to say thank you for, for taking time today to, to, to explain this to us, uh, help our listeners understand it more, and, and really share your, your insight. And, and I have a feeling we're going to be uh, asking you to come back on in a few, few short, short uh, weeks or months and, and really continue to have this conversation because this impacts everybody. Thank you. Happy to do it, Chris and John. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Thanks, Matt. And stay positive. All right, let's do this. <laughs> I like that. All right. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.